and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we are ready for another week of wrestling chatter uh, here on the show, and I am super um, excited about this week's show because uh, we have one of my favorite wrestlers to watch on the indies right now um and hopefully uh if his <laughs> twitter push um is any harbinger for the future um we'll see him in ring of honor fairly soon uh the big bad kaiju mr o'shea edwards he is on the show today we sat down to chat uh, a little a little while ago shortly after he uh, posted his uh coming out announcement he came out as uh bisexual um, during Pride Month this year, and we sat down and had a chat about the personal events that led up to him making that announcement um, just a few weeks ago, and also get into a lot of uh, his goals and 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 his experiences in pro wrestling uh, as well. It's a, it's, it was a really fun chat. Um, I will give one uh, quick note. We recorded this episode before um, a lot of the recent news regarding uh, Primetime Pro Wrestling came out. Um, of course, when, at, at the time that this was recorded, uh, O'Shea held the Primetime Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Um, of course, there's been some, some issues there um, with Primetime um, and some allegations against... Uh, Primetime's uh, co-founder and owner, uh, Mr. Gator. Of course, those allegations uh, led to the decision for Primetime to suspend operations indefinitely, and O'Shea announced uh, via Twitter shortly after that that he was uh, relinquishing the Primetime Pro Wrestling Championship and stepping away from from the promotion um, indefinitely as well. So... Don't know what the future holds in terms of primetime pro wrestling or O'Shea Edwards' involvement in primetime pro wrestling, but I just wanted to get that out of the way up here at the front because um, we do talk about primetime and and O'Shea's time uh, working for primetime um, as well in this show. And so yeah, just just wanted to clarify that before we get into the conversation. Also, I cannot say enough about the response to last week's show. Uh, with Emily May Heller of the Safe Wrestling Collective talking about the hashtag speaking out movement. Obviously, a lot of that is still playing out right now. There uh, there were more suspensions and uh, releases from WWE, uh, probably most notably suspension of Joe Coffey. Um, and then, uh, of course, the news broke um, shortly before I recorded this intro um, that uh, officials in... Britain were looking to change a loophole in the law there where basically it would eliminate, it would, it would add sports coaches and therefore wrestling trainers to legislation that protects um, 16, 17 year old uh, people from having people in positions of power from engaging in predatory behavior much like what we've seen play out in um, not just the British wrestling scene, but the wrestling scene as a whole, and, and why things like the Safe Wrestling Collective are being established, um, along with you know plenty of other companies doing what they can to make their environments safer 
for all whenever everybody's able to up and run again. So yeah, it's the story is definitely like we said last week, not going away, and I'm very happy to see that positive movement is being made. Um, we'll keep an eye on it and we'll keep touching on it as we go here on LGBT in the ring. But for now, we got a kaiju in the house and we best not keep him waiting. Alright guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the ring, and I am super excited to have my guest this week. Um, he just recently came out as bisexual, but before then, um, he has been rocking the Southeast and the East Coast wrestling scene for a number of years at this point, um, spreading the silver tongue and dropping kaiju bombs all over the place. <laughs> uh, please welcome the current primetime pro wrestling heavyweight champion, the big bad kaiju, O'Shea Edwards. How are you doing today, O'Shea? Man, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I've been looking forward to this like since we got in contact, so this is, this is going to be fun. Oh, no, definitely. Same here. Like I have been... You, you are someone that like I... I've been intrigued by for a number of years now, just like in from a wrestling sense. Cause like, I haven't like you've popped up in a few places where like, cause I'm, I'm from Georgia originally. Mm-hmm. So like I was around that Atlanta scene for a little bit, whenever it was like sort of starting to get like, you know, AWE was starting to take off a little bit yeah. and, and that sort of stuff. You have been someone who like, I've seen pop up here and there. And then like, I latch onto it and then, I don't know, like I get distracted by something else, but you're still always you just keep <laughs> popping up year after year. And I love every time you do, because it's almost like a different small evolution in like your style or your character every time. And it always just brings you back. Um, but obviously we're going to talk about your, your coming out post. I think that was a huge deal, but right. I want to start off um, with your journey in pro wrestling originally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where Obviously, you've you've been in the ring for a number of years at this point, but mm-hmm. where did the the wrestling bug really catch you? Um, I I've been a wrestling fan since like I was eight. Um, mm. but at the time I didn't know what it was all about. Like I was big into comic books, like so, like elaborate stories and um and like bigger than life characters were always like something I was always drawn to. Um, just because it was as a kid, it was kind of like my little escape, uh, if that if that makes if that makes any real sense. Um, yeah. In terms of like you know, cool. I don't have to worry about school. I don't have to worry about this. I can just read a comic book and I was good. Um, it wasn't until I was about eight or nine. I think at the, I'm about to date myself here, but whatever. Um, it wasn't until about like I guess when Monday Night Raw really started getting on TV, and um, I was one of the, one of the rare kids at TV in the room at the time. So it was one of those things of like, oh, wow, like I can watch TV in my room and no one can bother me. Um, and, I, and I had a chance to watch Monday Night Raw. And my first like envision, I guess, that I can remember as a kid was literally watching um, the big boss man at Ultimate Warrior. And I just remember seeing them and going, I don't know what this is, but I like it a lot and um i just from there it, it just kind of turned into this thing um when i was younger my my parents didn't you know they weren't together so i would spend the summers in new york and so one summer um like my dad was like what do you want to do 
And I looked at him and I was like, I want to go see wrestling. And he kind of looked at me like, what do you know about wrestling? Do you're not? Like, what do you know about wrestling? But he just kind of let me have it. And that was that. So um, it was the first time I ever got to see Madison Square Garden. Um, my dad took me to a, to a house show. And um, it was, I couldn't tell you who the main event was. Like, I couldn't. To save my life, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you one match. The only thing I remember was Ahmed Johnson. Um, mm. He was huge. He was absolutely huge. And I just remember losing my nine-year-old mind about it. Because I would see him on TV, and I never thought I would ever see him in person. And here he is. And, man, we are, like, in the upper deck. Like, <laughs> the <laughs> upper deck. But yeah. I... I still remember Ahmed Johnson as if we met yesterday. Um, and ever since then, I've just been wrestling, 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 right? My dad would buy me lots of pay-per-views. So uh, like, I got to watch like Bash at the Beach, you know, as a kid, losing my mind. When Goldberg was on his thing, it was such a big deal. Um, you know, just because I was just such, such Oh, I was such a little fanboy back then. Um, <laughs> but as I, as I grew up, um, you know, I still watched it, but, you know, life kind of, you know, you kind of evolve who you are as a person, that type of deal. And from there, you know, I, I got into football, I got into all this other stuff, but I always, I, I always watched wrestling. And it wasn't until I got a little older that I was like, okay, like, what does it take to even remotely, like, wrestle? Um, so I, you know, kind of looked around a little bit, and I found some schools that were in Georgia. You know, WWA four, you know, that, and the power at the time it was the power plant and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a hard time of like explaining how I'm going to just drop like three grand to go rest. I don't like it. I mean, because then I'm out three grand. I'm like, dude, three grand's a car, bro. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so at the time, I found this one. It was like a little boxing gym, and they said they were giving out wrestling lessons. And it was given out by Johnny Swinger. Um, Johnny Swinger's done WCW, ECW, WWF. Now he's an impact, like absolutely killing it out in impact. And so he was like, hey, make it out, dude. It's 20 bucks, 20 bucks a day. Um, you show up when you want to, whatever. And you kind of grow. It's almost like, you know, you pay as you go, grow as you grow type deal. And so, you know, uh, it's like about four or five months, kind of trained, kind of like got at it. He kind of looked at me. He's like, have you ever been in a room before? Like, you ever boxed? And I was like, no. He's like, you really have a legitimate knack of like where you are in a wrestling ring. And I'm like, I play college football, but that counts. <laughs> but um, <laughs> after a while, you know, I kind of did some, some, some smaller shows trying to get my, get my feet wet and all that good stuff. And then I got linked up with, um, with Robert Gibson. Uh, from Rock and Roll. So he actually has a school out in um, Douglasville, actually. And oh, okay. So, right. So when I first started, um, I, I, I understood that rest, like, respect was huge in wrestling. It still is. And so my biggest thing was that I, didn't, I never wanted to rub anybody the wrong way. And I knew I started with Johnny, and I didn't want to be like, hey, by the way, I bump you. I'm going to somebody somewhere else. So I was like, hey, look, man, I got an opportunity to go train Robert Gibson. Is that okay? And he's like, are you kidding me? That's amazing. He's like, go do that. And I was like, really? And he's like, yes. He's like, because listen, I gave you the building blocks, you know, to kind of get everything done. He goes, but 
because but Robert will like fill in the blanks so much better than I ever will. And I want you to make sure that you have everything. He's like, so go do that. He goes, please go do that. Um, so about a year, I just trained with Robert like religiously. You know, two days a week, three hours a day, man. I was just in it, just doing whatever. And Robert had his shows, so I'll go ahead and do that and this, that, and the other. And then from there, you know, I just I started like venturing out on my own. Um, I did a Ring of Honor tryout in 2016, so maybe that's a year in at this point. And um, I tell I tell people all the time it was because I just wanted to know where I stood with everybody, you know. Um, I, I to me I felt like I was pretty decent, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, let's see where let's see where I stand with everybody. So I went out there. Um, when I flew out to like Bristol, Pennsylvania, that I didn't even know existed at the time, and I'm in the room with some like with names, like guys who are in the WWE right now, and I just want to know where I stood. And um, my I'll be I tell people something like my wrestling wasn't great. I'll be the first one to tell you like wasn't the best in the world. I was like, but my promo games were top notch. And um, at the end of the day, they pulled me aside and go, hey man, listen, um, this isn't a no. This is just not yet for you. Um, you have everything that we're looking for. I was like, but you just need some more time to cook. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I take criticism very well. Um, I get back, and this is like October of 2016. Like I get back, and man, you want to talk about finding another gear. I mean, as soon as I touched down back in Atlanta, it was on and popping. I wanted to be everywhere because, for me, I wanted to work for Ring of Honor. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, and to this day, I still do. <laughs> I, I still do. Yeah. Um, and so for, for me to kind of get that, hey, man, you're, you're not there yet, but you're close, was like the, the nudge. You know, a lot of people have that moment of like, you know, when did you know you want to do whatever you want? And that, that was it. Like, I was like, I got this. Like, I know I can do this. I know I can pull this off. And then, like, since then, man, it has been just <laughs> – one after the other, like, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm going to, you know, whatever I can do to get better. That's why, you know, like you said before, you always see these evolutions, because it was just like, I knew it wasn't good enough. It, it was never, it was never good enough. I had to do more. I had to, you know, achieve more, because if I wanted to make it, like, me just settling wasn't going to be good enough. Um, and then even now, even six years in, like, it's never, it's never good enough. Like, I, you know, I'm always trying to kind of hear who I am, where I'm going, what am I doing, does this work? And then as I got a little wiser, it's not so much does it work, but hey, does this look good for TV? Does look this look good for, you know, presentation purposes and all that good stuff. So like my wrestling has kind of taken this this turn of does it look good in front of a camera? And if it doesn't look good for cameras, then I'm like, I scrap it, you know. Like it's yeah. one thing to work in front of a few hundred, but I'm trying to work in front of a few thousand and then a few million, you know, watching at home. Mm -hmm. It's actually interesting that you point out like this focus on like really improving your your presentation in terms of like for, for the camera and for and for TV, because, you know, so many people I know, like whether it's DJ Accident Report online or like other people online, but definitely people within uh, the gravel region point to you as someone who is like basically tv ready like anybody could sign you at this point and you would be ready to just hit the ground running 
with with any major company that had major television presence. And and I'm wondering, is that does that play into this idea of like you wanting to to um, be ready for that opportunity whenever it comes? Of course. Um, and I, you know, I, I and I don't want to name drop, but I'm going to anyway. So here we go. Um, <laughs> Will Ferrer said one thing to me that will stick to me for the rest of my life, and he was like, "It's one thing to to, to like get ready." He goes, but if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. And ever since then, it has been like this, <laughs> this absolute <laughs> light bulb of stay ready. Now, that doesn't mean get stuck in my ways, but it's like, no, man, no matter what, I, I can always be called on to go and to give you whatever you need. And so for me, you know, staying ready can mean so many things for so many different people. But for me, is at any point in time, anybody can call me. It's like, hey, I need you in Florida tomorrow. Mm. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, um, that that type of that type of um, mindset, I should I should say, like really, um, really hammers home this, this 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 thing of at any point in time, I know for a fact that I'm ready to go. And no one ever has to worry about like, well, can he do this? Like, no, man, you already know I can do it. I, I'm ready for it. And so as long as I keep that mindset, I'm ready for whatever comes. Mm. And, and that's, that's kind of really like kept me, kept me humble in a sense of knowing that no matter what you need, I know I got it for you. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, that's a great little like, mantra to live by, honestly. Like it, it goes for any industry, honestly. So right. it makes total sense. Do you think that the rise of like streaming services like IWTV and and Title Match and even YouTube at this point, because there's so many indies right now that utilize YouTube, um, do you think like having those sort of presentations, especially the IWTV live streams like we saw with Butch versus Gore, do you think that those sort of um, opportunities to work in front of a camera, a live broadcast like that? that is going out to a larger audience, but maybe not like the ring of honor or, or AW or, T or impact audience level. Um, do you think that's really helped you kind of work that, that, that style or prepare yourself in that way? Oh, most definitely. Like it, it, I said, it's like, it doesn't hurt. It, it, something like that never hurts. Um, getting an idea of where you're at at all times. Um, it's bigger than wrestling, you know, um, knowing where the cameras are, knowing where hard cam is, knowing where the roving cam is, knowing that if you're on the outside, you know, where are you in relationship to everything else? Um, in, the, in the rare instances like that I get to teach somebody, I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, man, listen, you got to stop working for the front row. Start working for the guy in the upper deck. And if the guy in the upper deck cannot see what you are doing, then you either A, need to do something else, or B, it needs to be bigger. Because the crowd at home is going to see it. And the crowd in the front row is going to see it. What about the guy in that, like, the cheap seat? Can he see it? Can he get excited for it just for the things going on as people in the front row? If not, don't do it or make it bigger. And that's always been something that I've kind of, like, taken away. Like one of the few questions, I, hey, is there a hard cam? Is there a roping cam? Um, sure, it's here. This is here. So if I'm, if I'm in charge of something and I'm putting something together, I kind of always position somebody, hey, man, look, dude. You know, I'm trying to get paid, show them that face, man. So, you know, I put them, I put them hard cam. I put, make sure we find that roving camera so they can see it. You know, I'm, I tell people, hey, man, don't be afraid to scream. 
Like, no one's going to think you're a bitch if you scream. I just make, I need to make sure that everybody hears what's going on. Because if they're not looking at you, if they hear you, they're going to want to look. And so for, for me, the more opportunities I get to be in front of a camera, the more opportunities I get to perform in front of, you know, a few thousand that are going to be watching at home, I want to make sure that I present myself in the best light humor possible, no matter what I'm doing, big nor small. Mm. So you said earlier that Ring of Honor is like one of like your ultimate goal. Like that's the company you want to work for. Um, yeah. Why, why, why Ring of Honor? I'm just curious. I mean, obviously we all have different dreams and, right. and, and every person that enters this industry has a different place where they want to end up. Why Ring of Honor personally for you? Um, when I look at that roster, uh, when I get a chance to see what they're doing with, with, with their talent, it's something that I want to be a part of. Um, you look at their roster now with guys like Kenny King, Shane Taylor, um, uh, uh, Jay Lethal, Dalton Castle, Joe Hendry, stuff like that. Like, why, why not? You know, it, that's, a, that's amazing to see that type of talent. And it's not like they just are using Ring of Honor to move on to bigger. No, they want to be a part of Ring of Honor. Like you can't say, you can't say Ring of Honor without mentioning guys like Jay Lethal. You can't say Ring of Honor without mentioning guys like Shane Taylor because they've made it a point to entertain themselves within that promotion. Like guys like Marty Scroll and, and like Brody King, PCO, for example, they've ingrained themselves into a family that is Ring of Honor, and that's amazing. Like a lot of people define success by I want to make the WWE, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Like if Vince McMahon calls you, pick up the phone. You know, you at least have that cup of coffee. At, at the, at, you owe it to yourself to have the cup of coffee. I was like, but at the end of the day, I'm wanting to be the author of my own destiny. This is where I want to be. I love the Indies. The Indies are great. The Indies, the Indies have given me everything. And I, and I feel as if I'm forever indebted to them, you know? Um, but if I have a choice, like, no, of course, I want to I want to work here. This is what I want to work for because I want to work along the sides of, like, all those names I just mentioned. Like, why wouldn't I, you know? Um, and so for me, like, that's my level of success for me. That That is my level of success of getting a chance to work for the company that I would want to work for on such a large scale that's literally worldwide. And for something like that, that's huge. That that is that is absolutely huge for me. <laughs> Knowing that, what was it like to get that call for them to uh, invite you to train at the ROH dojo? I smiled like an idiot the entire time. <laughs> um, when uh, so in 2018, I came back, um, and I I I was full of piss and vinegar. I was like, man, listen, you told me not yet. It has been two years. See what I like, see what I've done. Like see how far that I've come in that short amount of time. And here's the thing, man. They remembered me, which was humbling because I was like, man, these these guys don't know me, you know, like, like whatever. And so when I showed up, they're like, hey, man, we've been waiting for you. So uh, we get there and you know, all that good stuff. And I'm looking around the room, like 30, 30, you know, men and women. And I kind of look around, like, hey, I don't know what you guys came here for, but uh. I came here for a job and I'm not leaving until I get one. Um, so um, I, I, it was the, one of the best weekends of my life, man, to the accumulation at the time of, of four years to kind of put it all together at, at you know, at, at one time in front of the, the movers and the shakers that, that was ring of honor. You know, I was like, this is it. 
this is what I, this is, this is it. And so, you know, at the end of the day, when I, uh, I they, they pulled me aside, he goes, hey, man, you've had one of the strongest weekends uh, we've ever seen at these camps. Um, we can't promise you anything, but if you want, you know, if you want, it's yours. Like, you just got to get up here. Um, and, and so literally like six months later, I was up there and it's like, well, I'm here now. Uh, you ain't going to be that easily. <laughs> No, I'm for honestly due reason. I think that, like, I know you've been on a couple of Future of Honor shows mm-hmm. and um, been killing it up there with them. And I really think, like, your your style fits in with, with Ring of Honor a, a bit more than other places right now, I think. Because a lot of people, like, kind of sleep on the Ring of Honor roster right now just because, like, obviously, with the pandemic, there has been right. really many companies have been running, including Ring of Honor. Um, right. And they did have a, a, a bit of a down year um last year just you know after the the g1 supercard but right. at the end of the day like they still it's still stacked like the fact that you have a, a a company where like someone like jonathan gresham is like a sort of like not in the main event scene but like somebody like that is somebody that you can like point to as like an up-and-comer there whenever he's right. already as good as he is like it's jo- it's crazy jonathan gresham's so scary i said jonathan gresham's so scary good like it is insane. Like yeah. I sit here and I watch him and I go, how does he do this? Like <laughs> how, like this is, this is physically impossible. And then he just does it. And I'm just like, man, you suck, man. You suck. <laughs> like you're so good. Like, why are you this good? And he just smiles and he just looks at me. He goes, I don't know, man. And I just am. So I'm um, getting a chance like to talk with him and like, pick his brain becomes a wrestling man is amazing. Like the fact that it's in my back pocket anytime I need it is it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. No, I can only imagine. Like that would be like that locker room specifically is, would be amazing to be on the fly in the wall um, oh, for that. Great. Yeah, um, I do want to go back a little bit to to your like beginnings because like where I well like I told you before we jumped on to record here like y- my introduction to you as a wrestler was very. Um, not not odd, but it was interesting because it wasn't like through the regular avenues of where I've learned about guys, you know, right. and where it was a weird intersection of my like, because I, I work in games media a little bit, and mm-hmm. I also work in wrestling media a little bit now, and then those two worlds kind of converged um, back then where through Jim Sterling and the Jimquisition show on YouTube – I learned about you in Pro Wrestling Ego down in Mississippi, <laughs> which yes. honestly ties back into Ahmed Johnson, like down there in Pearl yep. River. Um, so I'm curious, like, what was your? I mean, I don't want to like go at length about 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 Jim, but like, what was it like to to work with him down there in in Pro Wrestling Ego? And like, did you notice a bump in your profile after like having some form of involvement with I him down there? Did. Eat, like almost immediately, I call it the yeah. Sterling effect. Uh, almost immediately, um, like I love Jim. He's been very, very great. Anytime, I, like c- because of the presentation that he puts out there, like I had so many questions, and in return, he had so many questions about wrestling. So we played off each other very, very well because it was just one of these things. Of, he wanted to know something that I knew about, and I want to know something that he knew about, and so. Because of it, we just we it was great. Um, because then all of a sudden, like his wrestling IQ starts to like on this massive uptick, 
And then all of a sudden now my video production IQ goes on this massive uptick because if I had a question, I knew I could come to him. And it was never something where he always said, oh, I'm busy. Like, no, he, like, right away, he would always answer me back. And then anytime he had a question with wrestling, I would e- immediately hit him back. And so like, our friendship has just been this one thing where it's just been, it's been great. Like, there's just so much that I owe to him in terms of how I present myself on, on a promo and on YouTube and how I edit it and how I do this and how I do that. And that's all because of him. If I have questions like, hey, man, I'm trying to find, um, you know, I'm still doing this like via phone a lot of times. So I'm like, hey, man, look, until I can actually get a chance to like buy a professional camera, do this, like what can I do to like, you know, keep my, my views looking crisp, looking clean. Hey, man, look at this, look at that, do this, look at this app here. And, this, that. and it's been absolutely wonderful. It's been absolutely great. And so um, for Jim, I owe a, a lot to. So the fact that he is, he's actually in Pennsylvania now, and I told him, like, dude, you know you got 90 minutes from me. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, so I'm so going to bug you. <laughs> and he's like, dude, please, anytime you want to bug me, it'd be one of the problems. So we, we're hoping we're hoping to link up together real soon, wrestling wise, and, and make some more magic. No, oh, that'll be rad to see. That that's exciting. Um I, and it's it's interesting because like I watching Jim's show, obviously like his character and his and his like verbal skills translate very well. But mm-hmm. um I don't know. It's interesting to hear that there was like this exchange of like, you know, you learning from him in that way too, like for whether it be video production or, or technical stuff or anything like that. Um, what, what um, really have you probably, what's like the biggest lesson you learned from the, from that relate, like with that relationship with, with Jim that you've kind of carried going forward now into 2020 with your wrestling career or just overall, does it have to be specifically wrestling? Right. Yeah. Really it's, it's, it's presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing is always been pre- that and continuity. Like a lot of times um, when we present ourselves, it's a lot of people, they're still, still trying to find ourselves or find out who we are. But once you find out who you are and more importantly, when you are confident in who you are, um, the sky's the limit just because no one can tell you anything else at that point. And then from there, it really just turns into just being able to, um, you know, just show like not be not be afraid to show the world if that if that makes sense. Um, in, in terms in terms of just like oh, this is who I am, you know, I'm not asking you to like it because not everyone's going to like it, but I'm comfortable to put myself out there for you all to to see. And then from there, it kind of goes into its, its its own little thing. Um, even for me, like I've had to go into a number of <laughs> a number of transformations to kind of figure out who I am. And, you know, I, I was the silver tongue devil for the longest time, but after a while, I was like, man, this just doesn't fit who I am because I wasn't given the microphone a lot. Um, but then out of nowhere, you know, the big back I do kind of came a thing, and then it just took off. And I was like, well, can't go back now. Here we are. And so I've become so comfortable in who I am and how I present myself, and especially when it comes to wrestling. And, and then even if I'm not wrestling, like just presenting myself in a, in a business sense of this is O'Shea Edwards. And for me, uh, it's because I'm so confident, because I'm so comfortable, no one can ever tell me I'm doing this wrong. Because like, I tell people, name another one who's doing it just like me. You can't. So therefore, I get to make the rules on how I how I want to show it off. 
and and like I said, and because of like getting a chance to watch Jim and you know watch the Jimquisition and how he presents himself, and he is so like just rock on about like this is what this is who I am, this is what I do, and he's so unapologetic about it. I'm like, there's no reason in wrestling that once you find out who you are, that you are like, why apologize? I, I refuse to apologize for who I am. This is it. You don't have to like it. That's that's fine, but I'm pretty sure you know. I have a few other people who do, and I can live with that. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, that's those are all really great um, points and 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 lessons to kind of internalize, especially whenever it comes to you know you, you deciding to to come out um, mm-hmm. this month um, during Pride Month. But before before we move on to that, though, because I think that that's a perfect way to enter that discussion. Um, I do have to ask. Uh, what was it like the first time that Stardust entered a locker room? I smiled so big. <laughs> I smiled so big because I sat there and watched him get dressed, and I was like, "You stand on the bench. This is happening right now. This is awesome." And I just sat back and I just watched. Um, at the time where we were where we were um, performing, it had like a loft, um, and so you could like kind of like uh, watch, you know, what's going on from up above. So that's all I would do is just sit there and just watch him. And I'm like, this dude is on it right now. This, he is so confident and so comfortable in who he is, you know, and if he's not, he is, he is faking it perfectly right now. And I'm like, this is great. I wish, it's one of those things where I wished guys who, who've been in business for years, you know, could figure that out to have that type of confidence in themselves to put themselves out there. And, you know, Jim's not afraid to fail. You know, that's amazing. Because if you're not afraid to fail, hey, if it doesn't work, all right, on to the next one. No big, no big deal. And um, like I said, it, it was the first time I saw it, like, full regalia. I was like, this is a thing. This is hilarious. I need more of this. <laughs> Oh god, I I know that was ba- that was my reaction the first time I saw that pop up, um, myself too. Like it was just like it was just it was perfect, it was it was just so good. And like, how could it not work? <laughs> um, but we'll we'll move on from from Stardust and 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 that and your experience there because I think like what you were talking about where your your lessons and and confidence and really like understanding who you are and presenting who you are really plays into um, the, the post that you made a little over a week mm-hmm. ago at this point. Um, walk me through the, the process of like, wh- um, why um, you decided to come out um, now and like what have been like kind of the machinations of your process of um, making that decision um, right. leading up to it. Right. Um, so it wasn't okay. Well, for the longest time, I uh, pretty much since I was like 18, where mm-hmm. I, I had an idea what was going on. Um, but I was in the midst of playing college football, um, which is really, you know, alpha type, you know, male type deal. And, um, and then as well as um, I joined the fire department, like, at like 20. Um, so for me, it was I knew I knew what was, what was what it was, but I didn't really know how to like vocalize it. 
um, like at the time, my family was like very Southern religious type deal where it was just like for 18 years old. So like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, whatever, whatever, whatever. So at this point in time, like I'm having this inner uh, conflict. I'm like, it's something wrong with me because I've been told, oh, you know, this is wrong for, for, you know, for so long now, all of a sudden it's just like, but this doesn't feel wrong. So how is this wrong? Um, and I knew for a fact I couldn't say anything when I played college football. Um, so I may call it melodramatic or whatever, but I knew for a fact if I said anything when I was playing college football, like they'd kill me. Like they'd, they'd kill me. Um, I wouldn't play football. Like that'd be it. It'd be it'd be a wrap. Um, you you know when you play football, especially on, on a collegiate level, there is a there is a I don't want to say a standard, but more like there is a expectation. I would say of how you are supposed to act and how you are supposed to like uh, be be seen and all that good stuff. So I never felt as if I could like say anything. Um, and when I look back now, it it makes a lot of sense of why I felt as if I never fit in in high school. It's why I never felt like I fit in uh, in college. It's kind of the reason why I, when I, I left, I just didn't feel like I fit in. Um, but I joined the fire department at twenty, um, and then even still. I never felt as if I could really like say anything because the fire department is a very just ego driven, male dominated, you know, oorah, you know, let's go put out some fire type type deals. So yeah. I knew for a fact this is like, man, okay, what is this worth? Because if I say something right now, will it cost me my career? Like I've been a fireman for fifteen years up to that point. You know, so it's like you know, it, it would cost me my career. Is it worth it? Everything that you've built so far is kind of built on like this, a lie, I should say. Like, is it worth it? At the time, like I said, I'm a 20-year-old kid. I'm tw in my 20s. It wasn't. It just, it just wasn't. Um, just because it, to me, I'm just like, man, they'll take it from me. I was afraid. I was really, really afraid. Like, up to that point for 18 years, just afraid they'd take it from me. Um, and uh, it wasn't until like, it wasn't until like I met my wife and I told her and she looked at me and she's like, so that I, that I, I've never been that happy that I could tell somebody and I wasn't judged or ostracized or made to feel as if like I was less than or, or this, that, and the other. She just, she's like, okay, like what's, she's like, our Friday nights just get that much better. And I was like, awesome. Thank you. That's so sweet. Appreciate you. Um, but it wasn't until recently that I've been removed from the fire department that I've been like, you know, able to kind of express myself the way I wanted to, that now I could actually come out and say it. Um, and honestly, I wasn't like, I really wasn't not because I was ashamed or anything, but with everything going on in the world up, up into that point, I kind of felt as if it was like a, Hey, look at me type moment, which I didn't want. That's the last thing I wanted. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I talked to my wife. I, I talked to um, some really close friends of mine, and they were like, "This is you got to do this. You have to. You'd be surprised at how many people are looking up to you." Which, side note, still blows my mind that people look up. I'm, like, I'm just, a, I'm just a dude. I'm such a dude. Like, who's looking up to me? I'm just a, I'm just such a goofy, 
teddy bear. <laughs> I'm like, like what? No, don't look up to me. It's whatever. But um, they were like, you know, listen, it from from where you are in wrestling, you no longer have the luxury of being a just a guy anymore. Like there's so much more than that to so many more people. And it wasn't until I said it, until I came out and I kind of admitted what was who I was, that all of a sudden, like the veil got lifted in a sense. If that makes a little bit a little bit of sense. Oh yeah. And and then all of a sudden it became really clear about what was going on. And even now I still I still like like my palms get a little sweaty just thinking about it. Just because for the longest time, for like 35 some odd years, I just figured I was in this by myself. I figured that like, you know, I work alone, I train alone, I win alone, like this, I just, just do this, just do this. So I always felt as if I was just by myself until like you turn around and everybody's behind you. So um, it was just one of those things where like, uh, I was like, all right, we're going to be all right. We're going to be, we're going to be just fine. You know, we're, we're going to be cool. The outpouring was great. Um, the outpouring was, was really, really, uh, was really cool. Um, unexpected, but I, I, you know, I, I you know, I, even since I'm still, I'm still speechless for it. Like, wow, like that, that's a thing. Like mm-hmm. this was a thing. Cool. Um, but, um, you know, it's just now understand like now there's a greater responsibility that I have. Um, not so much just as, you know, not so much as a, as a, as a wrestler, not so much as a man, not even so much now as like a, you know, like a black man, but now as a openly bisexual black man, there's such a greater responsibility that, that I have. And I take that very seriously. No, I mean, like, that's really awesome to hear. And I, and I think the fact that, that you're still like, sort of like, rendered speechless by by the amount of support that you've gotten and the fact that like you're still having these like physical reactions like your palms getting sweaty like there that that afterglow of, of that coming out moment like that's definitely something that is is um i'd say regular um and i think that it's really <laughs> awesome to hear like i don't i don't want to be like like yeah it's gonna it's it's pretty cool but like yeah like it's it, i think that's really awesome to hear um I'm curious though, like you, you mentioned, like that you felt like you were like kind of an island unto yourself, like in every facet. Like, do you feel like, obviously there were external pressures, like within sports or within career, mm-hmm. that that made you or family even, where like, you felt like you had to keep this part of yourself secret from everyone else. Do you feel like there was anything um, that you kind of put on yourself throughout that process to make you feel like you had to, like train? Uh, eat like do everything like kind of and and separate yourself in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and like a lot, a lot of it was just brought upon myself. Um, a lot of it was brought upon this expectation of how I thought the world, what everybody expected of me. You know, like I'm, I'm not really a selfish person by nature. I'm, I'm really a giving type of guy where I'm always trying to look after like the person next to me. Um, and it's just kind of how I was raised. So for me, it was, it was one of those things that it was never, it was never about me. It was always about, okay, what about the next guy? And, and, and you know, what is it that I can do for him and, and so forth and so and the, and the others. So 
like with 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 football. Like I played football because that's what my dad did. I played football because that's what I thought um, people expected of me. You know, um, I went to college because my dad did, and it was the um, I was the first of my mom's kids to go to college, so it was always felt as if it was um, expected of me to do these type of things. Um, I joined the fire department because, you know, I come from a family of firemen, so the firefighters, I should say. So it was one of those things where I, it, it felt as if it was expected of me to do this because, well, everyone else in my family did it. So why, why wouldn't I? Um, and it wasn't until I got a little older that I realized that, hey, that type of expectation, one, is just unrealistic. Um, because it's, it's, if you don't want to do it, then just don't do it. You know, last thing you know, I want anybody to do is, is a job they don't, or do something or be something they, they don't want to be. But for the longest time, I've just like these external, these external, uh, I, don't, I don't want to call them circumstances, but like these external pressures, which is always there. Um, just because I just, I want to be a good boy. You know, I want to be a good son. I want to be a good brother and all that good stuff. And always felt as people were looking at me to make the right decision. Um, and I always felt as if everything I was doing was the right decision. And for the most part, they were. Like, I don't, I don't regret, like, playing football. Like I, like, I don't. Like, football got me where it was supposed to, you know, get me. I don't regret joining the fire department. Joining the fire department, to be honest, which is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life. Um, but at the same time, you know, at what cost did it come to? And was it worth the 18 years of really, um, the 18 years of just me pushing, like, compartmentalizing myself um, in, in terms of this is who I am and this is, you know, you know basically what of it. Um, but recently, like now I kind of walk around just like I'm floating on air. I'm just like, what's up? Like, I don't care. Like, like I'm in my thirties now. Um, I have a house. I've got bills to pay. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, you got to pay whatever you want to, you know, people are going to think whatever anyway. So like, who, who, at the end of the day, like who really cares? So it, it was just, it was just one of those things, man, where when you think about it, yeah. You know, a lot of that pressure was undue to myself. But that was just because I always felt there was this level of expectations that people had for me. And I always wanted to make sure that at the end of the day that I met those expectations. No, I, I, honestly, that's perfectly put. Like, I think that's um, I think that's a lot of people's experience, um, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think that's another reason why, like, you coming out like so many you know like so many pro wrestlers and, and not even just pro wrestlers pro athletes you know here at sports we cover the wide range of athletes of athletics but like we've seen like the so many more people within these spheres be able to to come out and and live their truth openly and and just seeing the 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 click that happens the change that happens like this the, the level of comfort that comes to them the like the self confidence, like it's it's amazing to see, and I think that watching how you have um, kind of interacted um, with everything post coming out, like, has been very validating for for that sense as well. Um, 
I am curious though, since you have you you've been on on both sides of the coin here when it comes to like football and and athletic college athletics and uh, pro wrestling as well. Um, and I noticed that you kind of omitted pro wrestling when you were talking about the different places that kind of had these that gave you these feelings of a pressure to kind of conform and and not present that side of yourself that that part that part of yourself outwardly. Um, what do you notice that there's a, a difference in in attitudes from the the football locker room to the wrestling locker room when it comes to that stuff? Like even before oh, yes. you you came out, yeah, yeah, um, because like I said. Football is, if you think about now, like modern day gladiators. Um, these guys who make it to the NFL are the best of the best of the best. That is a reason why these guys are making an obscene, and when I mean obscene, I mean obscene amount of money. Rightfully so, because these guys at 40 or 50 aren't going to be able to walk. I mean, they're just not. I mean, these guys are getting into a car wreck every week for two, three hours at a time at full speed. And these guys are making this dumb amount of money. And the locker room is really just these big macho men of, I take, I, you know, I deal pain out. I take no pain. I fear no man, this, that, the other. And it's, it's the same guy from top to bottom. It's the same guy trying to be better than the next guy, this, that, and the other, because they're all trying to get their check. They're all trying to get paid. You know, they, they want to make sure that contract's coming up so their families can eat, their kids can eat. You know, these guys are creating, like, generational wealth forever. Like, their kids, kids will never have to worry about a dime. Right. Um, wrestling's different because wrestling is so inclusive in terms of who's in the locker room with you, you know? And it's not like you're seeing the same teammates. Like one week I could be in a locker room with with a group of people and then the very next day that locker room is completely different. So there isn't this thing of, you know, we're all here, I'm just trying to beat you so I can get my money. Like, no, man, we're all here. So we've all put on a great show for everybody. Wrestling has been such a great thing for me because I wanted to do it. Not because anybody before me did it. Like I played football, my dad did it. I play. I you know I joined the fire department because some of my other family members did it. Nobody in my family wrestled. Wrestling is for me. Wrestling is what I want to do. Like my wife touched me best when I think the first time my mom got to see me wrestle. Such a big deal. And she was like, because your mom's been there for everything. She's like, now, would you care if your dad wanted to come see you wrestle? I'm like, not really. I was like, but did you, did you care when he came to watch you play football? I was like, yeah. Said, because wrestling was for him. Wrestling was what he wants to do. You want to be like your dad. I said, but you're an adult now. You wrestle because that's what you want to do. Wrestling's for you. Like, if he doesn't want to be there, that's on him. You can watch him on TV. Like, but for you, this is for you. And ever since she said that, like, it's, it clicked. And I was like, okay. I just kind of needed someone else to kind of like say it for me. And once I was able to, like, understand why I was wrestling other than like I was just good at it. It, it just oh, it's, it's like the doors opened up and I was like, I got this. This is this is not a problem. Like I still love football. Like I love to this day. Football made me who I am, but I am a wrestler. <laughs> like I love wrestling. I love professional wrestling. I love being able to tell that story and this, that and the other. And since then, man, things have been absolutely uh copacetic since then. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome to hear. Um 
one more quick football question for you, just while, yeah. while we're on the topic. Um, no, obviously, in in recent years, over the last decade, I'd say um, attitudes have softened a bit from what we've seen in in locker rooms towards having um, LGBTQ teammates. You know, we, the Michael mm-hmm. Sams of the world, the Scott Crances of the world, even Ryan Russell. You know, and uh, an NFL player, an active NFL player, coming out as bisexual last year. Um, even though he isn't signed to a team at the moment, do you think that we like knowing your experience in the fo- in football um, and seeing this this change that we've seen, like the slow increments here? Do you feel like if you were playing football now, that you would feel more comfortable in presenting yourself uh, as you truly see yourself? No, mm. no. Um, the only reason why I say that is because. Like you said, like Michael Sam, he came out, which is great. Where is he? Um, like, yeah. <laughs> like and that, until you have that one superstar, and that's just it. You have to have that one superstar that transcends the sports. Then it starts becoming a little bit more, a um, little bit more, I don't want to say acceptable, but just look, well, I guess that kind of is the word, really just acceptable. Like in baseball, like basketball, I said, like, name them. Like, name them. You can't. Not saying that there isn't, but I'm like, but until that one superstar who is making this obscene amount of money, you know, like this is the star quarterback comes out like, hey, guys, guess what, man? I'm gay. You're not going to cut that guy because he's gay. That, that guy's still throwing like five touchdowns a game. He's still the MVP of the league. He's about to take it to a Super Bowl. No, you're not. But until you have that one superstar who can just stand up like, this is who I am, what's up? Unfortunately, you're going to have so many more players who aren't going to say anything because their jobs are at stake. Mm. And, and that's the one thing that kind of keeps up. And if I'm speaking out of pocket, like, I'm sorry, but it's, that's the one thing in, in, in such sports, especially in college, that keeps kids quiet because they know the minute they say something, the game has changed now. Now you'll be ostracized. People will look at you differently, you know, and, and, and it, it sucks. It's horrible to have to have kids go through that. But, like, that's the pressure. Like, I wasn't a star athlete by any stretch of imagination, but I knew if I opened my mouth, I was done. <laughs> like, I was done. And I couldn't have that. I, to me, I just didn't want to be, I worked too hard to get that far to all of a sudden be like, hey, by the way, guess what I'm buy? People are like, you better get the hell out of this locker room. Nobody wants to see that. And I'm like, but I didn't, I just, I was telling the truth. But unfortunately, sometimes people don't want to hear it. Mm. No, I totally understand it. Valid points all around. Um, I do want to get back on this, this idea of representation. Cause you mentioned like, you know, where you're at in wrestling now, you, mm-hmm. you don't really have the, the um choice to just be a person like you're O'Shea Edwards like people recognize you people look up to you obviously you've had a taste of it already um with being a a black man in pro wrestling um I know that you participated in the uh the Pan-African uh World Diaspora Wrestling Championship tournament for Fight Club uh, Mm -hmm. down there in the capital region and I would say there's I have not seen an event that really personified representation in a way like that was more cathartic than than that event um where trish won that title um speak what what do you think like your experience you know 
whether with, with Fight Club or whether with another company, when it comes to that sort of representation, like how do you feel that compares to like what you're going to be embarking on now after coming out? Most definitely. You know, getting a chance to like do that Fight Club show was, I, I, I was a late addition to that show. Like, oh, I wasn't really? supposed, supposed to be on that show. Um, wow. But unfortunately, at the time, somebody got sick. And they were like, hey, um, would you like to be a part of it? You know, and I was like, of course. Are you, are you kidding me? It's, it's not, I was going to show up to the show anyway. Um, I'd just be a part of it, just to see it. And so to have those type of shows, like, you know, a Fight Club, to have Butch versus Gore from, from Primetime, it's everything because it shows the rest of the world that not only do we exist, but we are good. Like, we are very, very good at what we do. And there's no reason why anybody should ever feel as if because of who they are that they shouldn't be included because of it's wrestling, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is wrestling, dude. There's, you want in? Get in here, you know? Um, and on top of that, it's not only can guys, you know, wrestle, but guys, are, guys can main event. Guys can draw. Guys can make that money. Guys can make you think, you know, there's so many people out there who will bust their butts for you just given the opportunity. And that's what these type of shows uh, are about. And I'm proud of the fact that, like, these shows have gone down all in D.C. It makes me smile from ear to ear knowing that this all goes down in D.C. Because now D.C. is the first DC was the first one to put on a, you know, a, a LGBTQ, you know, event completely top to bottom. Fight Club, one of the, one of the few places that put on a, a majority, you know, uh, POC type show from top to bottom. Even before all the, even before COVID happened and everybody was really high on GCW put on a for the culture, for the culture show. It's like, okay, cool. For the culture was going to be great, but this, this is happening now in D.C. This is great. This is awesome. This is what we needed so everyone can see what really, what we already knew. And um, to be a part of that, to, to be able to, to um, really get a chance to thrive in that and to have people see me in that type of light, man, it's, 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 it's great. Um, I absolutely love it just because it's just I'm more than – what you see i'm more than just some some larger than life black guy running around like no nah, dude i can actually go you know i go to the back of them <laughs> so you get a good chance to be a part of those shows man it's not only just just makes me swell with pride but it also makes me like so proud to be who i am because of because because of who i am you know it just like I say i i represent so much more now and if people want to look to me for that type of representation, then I want to make sure that I am the best damn representation that they can get. No, that's that's really, I that's awesome. I I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm <laughs> glad you brought up Butch versus Gore though, because that was going to be the, my the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Because like obviously <laughs> that event, that event, like I was there in person for that one, and that one was mm -hmm. just that one was just fucking crazy i loved it so much everything about it was was fantastic and we've had lolo and billy both on this show multiple times so it's it's almost like 
prime time like either like we sponsor each other or something like that like there's just a, a <laughs> synergy between our show and prime time at this point so i i'm curious though like obviously like you hadn't come out yet whenever mm-hmm. or happened but you were on the show you you wrestled billy dixon um in a great match um I'm curious, like, what was it like um, for you personally being being on that show, knowing this about yourself, but not necessarily being open about it at that point? Like, what what were what were you feeling? Um, it felt it, it felt like validating validating in, in a sense of I can do this, and it really wasn't until that show happened that where I really realized that you know what, man, like I'm really doing myself a real disservice by keeping my mouth shut. And a part of it was like, maybe I was being a little selfish by not saying anything at the time, just because I was just like, I don't know. Because in my head, I was like, this isn't about me, you know? And so for me, I'm like, I don't want to say it. And then it come out as like, oh, he's just making fun. So there's that real, um, there's that real moment of just pure anxiety of like, like I always trying to find the right time, but for me, like the right time never came. And it wasn't until afterwards where like it was all said and done that I was like, you know what? Like when I'm re- like, when I'm ready, there's no, there's no more excuses. Like this has to happen. Like there's, I can't just sit around all day just pretending, you know, something that I'm not. So um, it wasn't until after that show and everything kind of hit and I could kind of like really sit there and, and take in the, the gravity of what took place that I really started to understand. I'm like, hey, man, look, if you're going to do this, like you, you can't just dip one toe in. Like you got a cannonball, son. You got a cannonball deep into this pool. And so <laughs> it wasn't until like later, a few months later, I was just like, Geronimo, and, he, and here we go. Um. Now, obviously, you're the the champion of of that uh, promotion. There, what mm-hmm. has it been like um, from the primetime family since since you uh, came out? I guess we can expand that just beyond primetime, the wrestling as a whole. But like, what what has been your experience with uh, the people that you share locker rooms with now? Obviously, with COVID, no one's really sharing a locker room at this moment. But what has it been <laughs> like for you, like, to see the responses from people that uh, work in your industry alongside you? A lot of them be like, man, what took you so long? Um, <laughs> uh, it was like, man, what took you so long? And you know, uh, and like, like the last time it was just, it was just me. It, it was me. Um, but every, everybody's been nothing, nothing short of just absolutely loving, um, of absolutely just accepting and just, just outpouring of just this pure, you know, general acceptance of just like yeah, dude, this doesn't change anything, you know, um, like, you're, you're still our guy that we love to hate, um, you know, now it just makes it a little harder <laughs> to, to hate you, and I'm like, ah, just give me a minute, just give me a microphone for 10 minutes, I'll get you back, <laughs> um, but for the, uh, but for the most part, man, it's been, like I said, it, that the general outpouring was awe-inspiring, like I said, it, it, it left me speechless that, at the end of the day, there was that many people who were not only just like in my corner, but they were like standing beside me. And uh, something like that is just, you never get used to it. I never want to get used to it just because like, I love that feeling. Like I absolutely love that feeling. Um, 
you know, but from there, man, it's just been one of those things where I've just been like, this is one of the coolest things ever. Um, you know, I'm glad it happened when it did, but at the same time, it was, uh, it was one of those things that were like, I'm glad it happened the way it did. Mm. Well, there are a ton of other people that are glad it happened and we're so happy to be able to celebrate that moment with you and, and share just a tiny piece of it. Um, so like that was, is outstanding. I'm extremely happy for you. All of us at Outsports are extremely happy for you. Um, last question for you before we get out of here. Um, what do you, what's next? What's next for the big bad Kaiju? Now that you've had, you've had your coming out moment, you've had this moment where you can finally like share all of you with, with the community that loves watching you in the ring. Um, what comes next? Right now, it's just, that's, that's the million dollar question of, of what's next for a lot of people. Um, right now is just getting back into a wrestling ring. Um, getting back to wrestling, getting, 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 you know, back to where um, things, well, let me rephrase, things will never be the same after all of this, but trying to, you know, get that momentum back, even when COVID came through and basically wrecked absolutely everything. Um, they were, I, had a, I had a mountain of just like momentum and a mountain of steam behind me that I was ready to like capitalize on. And I was ready to just basically just, you know, take, like take over by storm. Um, just because everybody's had like a three month, you know, forced vacation, uh, that doesn't change anything. Like, um, I'm still, you know, still working on that mountain of steam that I had just because I, this isn't over. You know, there's a lot of things I have to accomplish, a lot of things I have to get done. Um, there, there are more states to go to, more countries to hit to, more airports to see, more matches to have, you know, more more fans to either cheer me or boo me. Um, so it's just one of those things of now, you know, it's about trying to find different ways to not only remain re- relevant, but at the same time to keep that, keep fresh in everybody's minds. Um, like I'm not going anywhere. I, I've worked way too hard to suddenly just fall off by the wayside just because, you know, we all started getting sick. I'm like, nah, man, when this is over, I'm coming in hot. I'm coming in heavy just because, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, that's what I want to do. I, I, I came in this game looking to, like, you know, make moves. I'm not leaving the game until I, I finally make those moves. Oh, well, I'll be very excited to watch whatever the next move is. You know, I, and I will say this, like, it's been awesome to see like your journey from like an Ahmed Johnson fan who was big into e-wrestling. I saw that tweet, by the way. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. There is that. There is uh, that. That could be a whole show in and of itself. <laughs> that, that's Brother, so let me, let uh, me tell you. Yeah. That lovely subculture. Yes. Uh, but from that to where you are now, Big Bad Kaiju, O'Shea, I am so happy to have you on the show. And I am so happy to, um, like so many other people have, welcome to welcome you to the family. Um, it is I appreciate so it. It's so awesome. Yes. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually uh, the, the, the best way to find me is going to be on Twitter, um, at AllDamnDayO'Shea. Um, every word has an underscore. You can find me on Instagram. I'm not as active on it as I am on Twitter, uh, you same name, just all day O'Shea. Um, 
until wrestling gets back, you know, I can't really be in your face to push T-shirts and everything. But majority of stuff you can get is going to be on, on my online store. It's uh, whatamaneuver.net backslash O'Shea Edwards. Um, all that, all that cool stuff. I try to keep my merch game tight, uh, keep my merch game fresh for all, for all those good stuff. So whatever you need, T-shirts, hoodies, you know, uh, onesies for your babies. I, I got you covered. So, um, <laughs> you know, but it's not even so much about me. Um, I, I'm lucky enough that, um, you know, my, uh, my shoot guys can take care of me very well, but there's a lot of hungry young men and women and um, out there who are, who, who, who need wrestling, who use wrestling as their, as their, as their primary income. And so I tell people at times, anytime you come across your favorite wrestler and they are, you know, trying to put themselves out there, you know, if you're able to just support them, um, just, just support them just because those guys are, those guys are artists. They're trying to eat like the rest of us. And, you know, and, and this type, in this type of time, this type of climate, we all need to start to, we need to start looking out for, for one another on that. Second that wholeheartedly. Thank you, O'Shea. There's no problem. Thanks for having me, dude. Appreciate you. My thanks once again to O'Shea Edwards for coming on the show and sharing their experience with uh, really being able to express their true selves for the first time uh, openly and publicly. And like I said in the show, we here at Outsports, myself, think the greater wrestling community, um, stand with you and, and are very happy um, that we got to extend Pride Month a little bit here <laughs> um, and have this show and, and talk to you, to you about about everything uh, that you've been through. And hopefully we'll see O'Shea in a Ring of Honor ring uh, once things start getting ramped back up after COVID um, gets handled at least somewhat. I... We hadn't even talked about the stuff going on with WWE and, and COVID testing and COVID positives, and that's just that's a whole other thing um, that we can dive into a little bit deeper maybe next week. Um, but either way, I'm not going to let this, that ruin the positivity of this week's episode. I'm very glad that we had uh, O'Shea on. Follow him on Twitter at AllDamnDayOshea. Uh, Definitely keep an eye on where he's going to end up next because it's uh, he's worth following. Definitely. Um, but that's going to do it for our show this week. Um, but we can't get out of here without saying some major, major, major thank yous to some people that helped make this show the awesome little treat that it is every single week. Uh, first off, the Progress Pride Flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And of course, a big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, that's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at stswband. You can check out their music on Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at wonderboyotm. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. And if you're into video games, I do host a weekly gaming news show called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, that goes live every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun, S-U-N, not S-O-N. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's just a fun time. And, and this week, actually... I kicked off uh, a second show with um, one of my co-hosts on the Mr. Video Game Super Show, uh, Slacker Kite, 
called The History of the World, where we're looking into um, and reliving video game history. Uh, we did our first episode, our episode zero, working out the kinks there a little bit, on Jerry Lawson, um, uh, the creator of the first, uh, I guess you could say, cartridge-based video game console, really the first modern video game console in that technological sense, the Fairchild Channel F. Um, yeah, it's obviously a bit nerdy, but it's always fun, <laughs> and and it's something that's super interesting to me as well, so um, check that out, that we don't know how often we're going to be doing that show, but it's definitely up on the Twitch channel as well, twitch.tv slash Entertainment. go check that out if you want to relive some gaming history. Yeah, got a lot of got a lot of eggs in the skillet. I guess you could say. that's is that even an idiom? I don't know. It's one now, um, but that'll do it for us this week. Uh, but until we meet again, uh, as always, stay messy, wash your hands, and we'll see you next week. Everybody. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the